Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Shift. This week's guests are Esther Steinberg and Julie J. They both had babies in 2020, so that's what we talked about. They gave great advice on being new parents, libido, different types of childbirth very informational i learned so much um they also gave me great advice and they gave a listener advice as well so have a listen i'll talk to you at the end of the episode how old is your little person six months mine is nearly three he's so cute. weeks uh no three months thank god three like months? 11 and a half weeks yeah so young I so know. much work i know it's pretty full-on I know people yeah. said like it's such an obvious statement isn't it like that a baby is a full-time job but I always took that with a grain of salt until I had a baby and then I realized people weren't being metaphorical it is literally a full-time job it's beyond that me and my husband are like would you rather go to work or be with the kid and it's like the going to work is like 10 times easier it's a lot easier isn't it <laughs> Because I guess it's more than a full-time job. It's not like 48 hours or whatever a full-time job is. It's like all of the hours forever. It's also just a guessing game of like, are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you just cranky? Are you just mad? Do you just want this toy? Do you want to sleep? Oh, you want to sleep, but you aren't sleeping. But you won't, you won't, you want to sleep, but you won't sleep. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's, there is a lot of that, isn't there? Because I always imagine, like, for kids, you know, when you hear people saying, you're, you know, it's like people are always saying about kids, he's just tired, he's just tired. And sometimes I think maybe he wants an ice cream. Like, maybe he's actually not tired. Maybe he just wants something else. But now it's just my default. He's always tired, but he perpetually just fights sleep all the time. So it's a bit of a vicious circle. It's ridiculous. It's like you're hungry, but you're not eating. You're tired, but you won't sleep. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Three months is hard. Six months is hard. It, it's like, I know, that's the thing. I Because I kind of thought that we get into our groove. But it's like when you find your pattern, baby, they just like to change it up on you. Yeah. 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 They just keep. And I was like, I've never seen someone grow this much. Like change. I'm like, why? Just the second I feel like I have a handle on things is the second he's like, um, yeah. no, I'm different now. You yeah. thought you knew me. I'm brand new. So I'm like, <gasps> they're like, that's the old me. Every day is reinvention. I'm learning to find myself too. Do you have a boy or a girl, Esther? A boy. Oh yeah. I have a little boy too. Well, that's good because they're like supposed to be great and love their moms forever. And girls are horrible. 
Well, I mean, I kind of, you know, it's like that phrase that everyone bandies around in Ireland that um, little boys wreck your house, but little girls wreck your head. And I kind of think, I kind of think that's true, probably to an extent. But I was, no, I was delighted having a little boy. I am kind of relying on the whole, like, you know, they love their mother thing. Um, I don't know if that's always the case, but that's what I'm really hoping for. I mean, they love their... I love my mom. Like, I I think people love their moms. People take their moms to award shows. Yes, that is very true. People dedicate a lot of awards to their mom and God. That is true, because the dads are always problematic aren't they you don't right. see as, you don't see as many dads on the red carpet as the moms the moms are pretty straightforward it's like okay this person has raised me so therefore yeah. i'm yeah. thanking her in the speech whereas the dad it's always a slightly more complicated relationship also, no one's bringing their dad to an award show no one's buying their dad a house yeah and also i think because if you're bringing your dad to an award show it's a bit show offy it's like hey i've still got a relationship with my dad it's like <laughs> yeah. okay Back it up. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've never seen someone bring their dad. Well, I think the law is, I'm not au fait with Californian law, but I do think there is a law that you don't get to win an Oscar and have a dad. Like that's, yeah. it, it, no, it's one or the other. Sorry. Yeah. What, what if you have so. one parent though? What, can you bring your dad if you don't speak to your mom? I mean, yes, but you need to give us the backstory there. <laughs> there needs to be like an America's Got Talent moment before. Your mom needs yeah. to be dead. Okay. <laughs> what if she's just dead to you? <laughs> she, yeah, exactly. She needs to. What if she's just dead to you? I think she needs to be pretty unavailable, preferably dead. Um, and I do get on with my dad, but I think that, you know, it is that kind of more complicated relationship whereby if I said to dad, I was bringing him to the Oscars, he'd be like, oh, but the golf's on that day. Like, even when I had Ted, because he's only met him twice, obviously, with the pandemic, because we're still in lockdown. But I literally had to place Ted. He has, like, he always has, like, three screens. It is like <laughs> that, you know, that room in the Oscars, where they're always, like, the technical stuff, and they have all the Sure, screens. sure. So I know I, that room really well. I had to, like, just place Ted in front of our screen. I was like, here is your only grandchild. And he's like, <laughs> he's beautiful. Just yeah. Veering the his head over the rocker. Yeah, um, we're always yeah. looking for this an amazing emotional revelation in our dads, and it's never going to happen. Yeah, but but are you are you enjoying watching your husband with your baby interact with your baby? Oh yeah, a lot. And my husband is like used to be a bad boy and used to like <gasps> not do sleepovers with women. You tame not, him. Yeah, I mean. I don't think I did anything. I think that like it was really good timing when we met and he like really pursued me. So I just like leaned into whatever was happening, but he was like just a guy that was like, I never want to get married and I never want to have kids and would go on podcasts and be very public, like never, ever, ever. And so it's really fun to see him like be obsessed with this baby and they like kind of dress alike and they he's the kid is really giggly and my husband's instagram is 100 percent baby photos not a single photo of himself that is so cute and, ha- wait, and how, i'm like how old was your husband when you met him 32 and now he's 36 
Yeah. Okay. I think they have to be over that turdy hump. Oh, I used to like, even when I was like 20, 21 was dating guys in their thirties. And then as I got older, I still just dated guys, 31, 32. It was always a sweet spot for me. I've, I'm obsessed with like telling my friends to only date 32 year old men. Yeah, I said this to you, Katie, the yes. last week. I was like, forget the guys in their 20s. Like, no, it's just no. And, and you know what? Like, there is that rare flower growing out of the pot of dirt and they're super mature and all the rest, but it's extremely rare. Yeah. It's really weird, too. Like, I don't think, yeah, grown up mature 20-somethings, unless they're, like, really Christian, Oh, yeah, that might be a thing. Their outlook is very different. Like any guy below 30 thinks that he can, because his outlook is if he gets you, he's like, what other woman can I get? Not like, Jesus, I'm pushing above my weight here. I'm lucky to have them. It's like a search for as many women. Well, that is is literally like evolutionarily (laughs) speaking, like cavemen, they're completely programmed to spread their seed to as many women as possible, to get them pregnant, to literally that's it. That's all they are. Pro- they are programmed animals. Yeah. And I do think there is that kind of cultural thing where men, um, like there's almost a pressure to not settle down in your 20s because your 20s is seen as the time when you should be sowing your wild oats and all that kind of crack. So I think even if they met somebody they really liked, there's all these outside external pressures. I love the way I used like the same word there, outside, just in case you don't know what that word means. I'm going to throw an <laughs> external as well, just so, just so you know. Um, but there's all these other pressures like from the mates and stuff to not settle down. So you're kind of just up against it, I think, as a young couple in your 20s. Yeah, well, but Katie, yeah. you're young. You're young. I yeah. know, I know. Well, I like, you're I just, crazy. I just. You stopped- should just know that one day, an amazing man is going to whisk you away. And until then, have as much fun as possible. Yeah, no, you're right. Oh, this is the perfect time for me to hear this as well. Because I just talked to the guy that I was seeing last night on the phone. We talked for a couple of hours. But he said that I should have given him an ultimate Because I ended it. But he said I should have given him an ultimatum. Like either be in a relationship or we're over. But I just ended it. Because I was like, it's not going towards a relationship. And I knew in my head that that's not what he wanted. But I was like, why would I force... So he, fe- he felt he needed to be forced into a relationship. I was like, that is crazy. No. I have no, I mean, that's, that's awesome that for him and hopefully he finds a woman that's trying to like manipulate and, <laughs> and pressure and that's, if that's, that's his thing, like, good luck. You'll, you'll find a woman who treats you like that, but that's not really your No, style. I yeah, think, I very think. honest. Yeah, I, that's the man who needs to have a conversation with himself, I feel. It's like, I can't believe you actually left me with the power to choose. Why did you do that? No, that doesn't make any sense at all. So you were talking to him for a couple of hours, but are, are you kind of flourishing with the idea of getting back together? No, no, because what happened was... You, once- thank God. I was about to... I was about to do an intervention here. No, no, no. It was one of those um, where I guess we had like a rendezvous where we met up and slept together when we shouldn't have. And then I just needed to get it off my chest that that, that shouldn't happen. So because I have to say everything I feel. And so we had to have that phone call of like, I was like, look, just don't mess with my feelings. We still don't, don't beat yourself things. up. 
whatever you had a rendezvous who gives a shit yeah yeah it was great I had like the sex was great you know so I don't I don't don't regret it but I needed to make sure that that didn't continue to happen if that makes sense so and he was like yeah he was like of course so and he's just like all these New York guys are like I don't know they just kind of overcomplicate things like I get it secure so they're just like throwing wrenches in the air and being like oh I'm not sure that I because I don't know if I they're poor and they're insecure and they just can't commit. It's just, they can't. Yeah. He told are they, me, are they more, are they more comp? Sorry, Casey, go on. No, no, no. Are they more complicated than Irish lads? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Is it harder to date them? Do you think? Well, I'm in Florida right now and I'm like, Oh, it's, it's suburban. It's like, it, it must be so easy to date here because they're not like New York is the most expensive city. It's busy. Yeah. It's hot. It's sexy. Everyone thinks that they're an actor mm-hmm. and it's the most, it's really complicated, but it's 10 times worse than in LA because the guys there are actual douchebag man babies who are like, their brain cells are gone. Okay. And they're so, high all the time. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah. Nobody needs that. Nobody <laughs> needs like a douchebag with more confidence. Douchebag, man, baby, narcissists who are completely high all the time. And yeah. so many like 19 year old girls that are like, oh my God, you have a podcast. Can I blow you? Oh, stop, yeah, see, that's, I know. that's the problem. They can get what they're like. Do you know why settle with one woman that they're happy with and supports them when for the next few years they can just bang all these young girls who won't commit? So that's kind of and like, yeah, they're all artists or DJs or comedians and they feel like as well if they give you any time because what happens is they do end up enjoying time with you. They do spend a lot of time with you. But in the back of their head, they're like, I'm not DJing. And it's like, well, you can go DJ. What what did I tell you about DJs? (laughs) Don't make me repeat myself. We're all DJs, Katie. If you have Spotify, you're a DJ. Just to say that. My friend is engaged to a DJ and he's a wonderful, wonderful person. So Look, but I have a joke about how dating, like getting to like marry a DJ is like climbing the Mount Everest of dating. Like it's, it's an impossible journey now, to I get would there. Say, I would say getting engaged to DJ, I would question if a DJ asked me to marry him, I'd be like, does he want to marry me or does he just want the gig? Yeah. Like, does he just want a DJ at the wedding? Is that what so- this is? My friend is like the breadwinner. So like it's the female friend who has this amazing job in like tech sales. And then her husband's a DJ and he's a really cool artist, but she's bringing in the dough and he's bringing in some money, but he's pursuing his art. She's bringing in the dough and they have a great relationship. That is once in one in a million. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's probably pretty exceptional, I would say. But I mean, I it's remarkable you- that I'm talking about it and I still am like in disbelief, but he's a wonderful person and he doesn't have like, hey, what's up, DJ? He's more like a nice guy. Yeah, and they are out there for sure. I think as well, Katie, what you were saying there, um, like or Esther, what you were saying about the timing was a really good point. I definitely think like say with Fred my partner now my fiance um I hate saying that word it's so cringe fiance oh I think it's pretty cringe isn't it you're about to go into husband for the next like five thousand years you're gonna use the word husband so just enjoy that you have one single period of time where you're not saying husband 
just into and the end of life. You're gonna be okay. husband, 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 husband. It is until Jack three me, isn't it? Now um, you're like fiance. Le fiance. And then I also have started saying other French words need needlessly like voyeur, menage le le fiance. And so I do have le fiance. I do speak French. Thank you so much for noticing. But um, no, I don't. But I, I would say now with Fred, my current partner, I don't actually even think I was the love of his life or anything. I just think I came along at the right time, to be honest. That sounds romantic. <laughs> I know what I mean. He is. He is like we adore each other. Like we're mad yeah. for each other. It's pretty. It's pretty gross. I'm not going to lie how much we love each other. But I do think with men, they reach a point and they think, OK, I want to get married now. And then they kind of look around and a lot of it is timing. So when the timing's right, Katie, I mean, you're so, you're so young, mm. honestly, you really are. Like, I think have your fun. And even you saying about hooking up with your man, like, you know, the way I've been in that situation where you break up with someone and you have the ex sex, you know, you have the, the hookup or whatever, and you're almost kind of apologizing or explaining to your friends why it happened. But it kind of reminds me of, you know, Carol from Real Housewives of New York. I Do you don't, guys watch Real Housewives? I, I like, I dabble in it, but I'm... Dipping in and out. Well, she had a great phrase. Um, we, well, she talked about breaking up with her boyfriend and how they were still hooking up. And she was saying, you know, people say to me, don't let Adam have his cake and eat it too. But I like cake. <laughs> <laughs> a really good point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And like... Yeah, no, I don't. I don't re- regret it all. I do think as well. Time, what you say about timing is very, very important. What if Katie from the future came to you and said, "Listen, <laughs> you're gonna get married. You're gonna have an amazing husband. It's gonna be so deliciously boring. You're gonna yeah. watch TV. It's gonna be the same dick every night. You're gonna be so happy. But right now is the time that you stop." spending energy on everyone else because that it's like I take care of my kid all the time yeah. and I've got my parents and my husband and I'm trying to make everyone happy and then it's like what about me I totally agree with Esther this is the time to be selfish and just yeah. and it's you know what it does sound like Esther's just given a really good example there like of that kind of you know almost like a Christmas Christmas carol situation like I wish future Julie could go back to 29 year old Julie and say listen Julie it's gonna be okay like all these dicks that you're shedding tears over yes. and, you know you're trying to justify you're trying to read between the emojis you're trying to justify their behavior. <laughs> the uh, emoji. What I'm, does it mean? I mean, uh, fire. Julie, come on. It's an overshine. We all know what it means. But just like me, though. I mean, really, if I could go back to my 29-year-old self, the problem with me at that time was that I, first of all, probably didn't value myself enough. And I was so invested in everyone else and keeping everyone else happy. And I was so concerned with making guys like me. I never stopped to think, did I like them? Do you like them? Yeah. making them like, do I know? But if I didn't have faith that it was all going to work out because people would tell me, listen, you're going to meet your lovely person and it's going to be great. And I'm like, maybe for you, but that's not going to happen for me. But it, it does though. It really does. It's just about having faith. In yourself and I wish we could go back and have the crack more and just enjoy it more I feel like I feel like I'd enjoy it as much as as much as I could have yeah Katie you need like a punch card and like 
Like, just get, like, ten guys out of the way. Yeah, and I deny messaging. There was some funny, you threw up a picture with him. That I was like, he's gorgeous. Oh, he's married. Wait. Yeah, oh. he's married. Well, he's not afraid of commitment, so that's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. You want the marrying type. That's great. When you, but come here. Everything you're saying is exactly what the guys who don't want to commit, who are 29, 30, are saying too, really. They're just not saying it directly and they mess about a bit and they don't want to be honest about it. So that's why girls get hurt because they don't say up top like, actually, I want to be selfish. And it's true. And we should be. You're all right. Like I should. Like last night talking to him on the phone after two hours, I kind of thought I'd finished editing the podcast early and I could have just been watching. Two hours is too long. Right. I could have been just watching my murder show. And like, and no, and that was good because I was like, actually, what am I doing? You know, and I like, I am happy that I did end it when I did end it because it's the first time I ended it when it was meant to end. But like, yeah, you're right. It's a complete waste of your energy because you're just going around in circles. Well, it's draining. It is draining. And I I agree with Esther. I do think two hours is too much of your time because we know that. What are you doing? Well, teaching we him know. Spanish. I know. Yeah. We started talking about his exes and why he is the way he yeah. is. Oh, no. you're giving him therapy, free therapy. But it's my fault. I, I'm like, I just get into it and like, but I'm le- like, I'm definitely recognizing it, you know, being, but yeah, I think you're right. I, I do want to just focus on myself and I'm glad I dated him because it's making me, because here's the thing. It's fine to just have fun with someone and date them. But the problem is these guys who just want to have fun at, they also want the emotional labor of a girlfriend and that's where it's like it's not yes. fun. so yeah. they don't they don't they can't separate the two well it's like I was saying to you, you don't want to be the emotional girlfriend that's no, no fun I mean I've been that person quite a few times and there's nothing more frustrating than when you bring them to a place where they're like you're right I do have to fix myself and then they go off and fix themselves <laughs> and they don't come back to you Yes. they just go on to the next person so I I mean you have to watch that because we know that he does enjoy your company and like obviously really loves your brain but it's draining like a two-hour conversation with anyone I'd just be I'd be barely able to watch my murder show after yeah that. they need to be your very very it needs to be a best friend who's whose mom is in the hospital yeah <laughs> dead moms again I need a mom dying of cancer for me to call someone and be on the phone with them for two hours and cheer them up. I can't remember the last time I was on the phone to someone for two hours. I mean, like, I mean, audios are, that's how I live my life now because I can't kind of designate, you know, I can't put aside a two hour period to chat. Yeah. Women get paid for that, by the way. Yeah. I know. know. Either either you want to be a therapist and get paid or a sex worker on the phone and get paid yeah yeah like you should have something in return you need something in return you can't just expel your energy I also think we have a amount of energy that we can give to people oh yes yes so if you want to fuck someone then fuck them but don't give them all your energy just fuck them no, it's true. I wrote a tweet about him saying like that he was like, he wants because he wanted me, he'd want to see me four to five times a week. Um, he'd want like emotional support, sex, but that he had get said to me- Get a fucking dog. I know. Get a fucking dog. But he said to me the last thing yeah. he wanted was a relationship. So I just wrote like in the tweet, I wrote me, then pay me. But it's like one of the tweets that did the best. And I was like, oh, I need to stop dating this guy. <laughs> I got a message from a guy that said he doesn't want to have sex or anything. He does, but he wants to be my sugar daddy. And he wants me to be on the phone and talk to him. And I was like, 
talk to you, please. I'd rather just fuck you. <laughs> was that recently asked her? Yeah, recently. And I was like, talk? You want me to talk? Oh, my God. Like, I don't have time to fucking talk to you. That's so yeah, I I agree. I mean, the, the riding or the fucking or whatever you call it, that would take less time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least you're getting some fucking orgasm pleasure out of it. Oh, wait, so both of you are in your 30s, right? Wait, I have something really, yeah, I'm, I'm 30 years old and I feel like 100 years old because I now have a kid. So I'm like, my back, oh, I just want to watch TV. Like 29, I was a bachelorette. I had a fiance and I was like doing drugs and going to Vegas and having the time of my life. I felt like I was 21 years old and then I'm 30 and I feel like I'm 80. And I'm just like, I don't know how old I am, but I'm now a very old woman with like wisdom and a bad back. But I want to tell you something really important because it's like been on my mind. And if no one has told you this, I'm going to tell you this. There is a um, thing, a machine called the womanizer. And it's very different than a vibrator because it like kind of like leeches onto your clit and then like sucks it in a sucking motion that it's completely revolutionized sex toys i don't like vibrators but like this product is called the womanizer i'm not sponsored by them but i would like i can guarantee that it will change your life so like if you need to have that three orgasms you can bang it out with this machine in like 45 minutes and then you don't have to have a dumb ass guy attached to your orgasms. And tell me, so it's like, it's a suction thing. It sounds like a bit like a leech. One second. I'll be right back. Oh, Esther's going to produce it. I love it. Esther's great, Katie. She is. I'm delighted. I've like, I do have a lot of baby questions, so we will get to that later, but it's, it's very clean. It's a circle. Oh my God, look at oh this. Oh my God. <gasps> wow. And it just like, it like goes on and then you can like do that. Oh my God, I and want it, it, it so goes, bad. Oh, oh it's it like, it's crazy. It's, it's like, it, it's money back guaranteed for a while when it first came out. It's invented by the Germans. Oh, I mean, look, enough said. I know, yeah. It's a German product, and I'm a Jewish girl endorsing a German product, so you know it's good. You know that it's good. Good. That's like Irish people drinking tea. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's good, though. Yeah. It's, it's, it literally will change your life no matter how you use it, whether it's with a guy or alone. Like, I, I can just promise you it can change your life, and you no longer will need to rely on, like, like we women have needs and we get horny and there's no reason that you shouldn't pull out like a $200 machine built by Germans that won a tech award. <laughs> but my husband was like, I can, you know, pleasure you. I was like, I know you can. He's like, okay, but here's the thing. You can also do math. My husband's great at math, but my calculator can do math a bit better than my husband and my husband can do math but my calculator can do math faster that is such a good analogy yeah so my product from germany is like a calculator i love it 
And then your problems, you see who you're interested in once you take out the idea that they can give you orgasms. Because now if you give yourself orgasms, who are you really interested in seeing tonight other than your vibrator? Uh, do you know what? That is very true. Because I had a counselor once who told me, and she was Dutch. She, she spoke like dish. And she once she said to me, because I basically was paying her 70 quid an hour to go in and essentially ask her why a guy wasn't texting me back for a year. It's like it just comes to a point where I don't know how she didn't turn around to me and say, he just doesn't like you enough. The timing is wrong or whatever. But she did say to me at one point, she was like, you need to go out and physically be with other people because you're just associating pleasure with him. And you're like, I'm never going to pleasure again. And you're, uh, you're attaching it to him and you're latching onto that memory. But she did say to me, I thought it was really good advice. She was like, your vagina has your memory. And it was very true. Your vagina does have a memory. So you just need to go out there and make new memories. Yeah. Oh, my, gay, my gay friend and I talk about how like our greatest sex, like our most like dirty, fun sex we've ever had. Not the person you marry. Oh, no. I mean, they're two different people. The best sex I ever had, he didn't tell me about his girlfriend. When I ended up kind of finding out about her, he was like, it's open, but they're not open. 100% not open. Um, But he's just a real piece of shit. But it was the best sex I ever had. I want you to use your womanizer before you go on a date and see oh, great advice. if you are interested in this guy at all because once you have like like literally bang out two three orgasms which by the way i never thought i could like bang out two three orgasms until i had this machine but like bang it out my friend had never had an orgasm before in her life remy casimir and i grabbed her by the shoulders and i'm like figure this out stop what you're doing whatever you're doing and figure out your orgasms She's never had one. And then she started a podcast. I'll plug it. It's called How Come. And then she talks about the womanizer. And that was the first time she had an orgasm was with this no tool. Way. And the she like squirted. Yeah. What? I yeah, think she, she had like pent up sexual energy for 29 years of her life. And what was she 29? So I think I want to say either 28 or 29. So mm-hmm. and you introduced her to this machine. Yeah. So technically you have given her this gift. Oh no, actually I should, I, I'm so sorry. She introduced me. She, she went on a journey. I just said to her, you got to figure this out Okay. right now. That's your priority. Drop everything and figure out your, your clitoris. And she was like, okay. And I think this could be the the 2020 version of the secret. Do you remember that book? And (laughs) I'm obsessed with the secret. Well, I was, and now I think it's just ridiculous and I love it. I, well, I loved it back in the day. I think I need to revisit the secret because I had the little book and it looked like a little, you know, and it just looked really great with the, it was a little hardback version of it. But I think it's similar. It's a similar journey. I'm just seeing my female WhatsApp group where one person goes on a journey with the secret and then before you know, the whole group is on the same journey. So I think this could be the case for the woman either. It's just about spreading that gospel. It is. It's just also being like, I'm going to take this aspect of my life into my own hands. And now you're going to look for a partner that gives you something other than that what else can you bring to the table because I already I got I got orgasms covered so what are you bringing 
This is the best advice because because I orgasmed late as well, like Remy. I wasn't until I moved to America. I wasn't masturbating until I moved to America either. And the listeners know that. Yeah, America, where women come. Yeah, Yeah, land of the free and land of the come. What was the first experience, like with a guy or by yourself? By myself. I started like doing it every night and like trying different angles. I made it like a job um, because I was like... Was it just your hand? Just my hand. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I got... And then, yeah, it was like, I was fucking work. But I do think now because I love sex <laughs> so much and because I like was like, wow, like cause I had I'd had a fair amount of partners before that and I'd had a couple of relationships where I always thought I was orgasming and I wasn't. So now that I know how to orgasm, I do think I put sex and orgasming a little higher just because it's still like novelty for me so like you used any toy yeah I got a vibrator from sex shuppa so I'll plug her for the podcast it was it's amazing it's like my best friends like this sleek little but I do think I want to try the womanizer because I think what I heard about the womanizer is because I'd get in my head a lot so even with the vibrator I have to really like zone out but I feel like with the womanizer it's so intense you it does you can't get into your head is that true you're just like you watch porn you can't get into your head but also i sometimes watch porn yeah i don't watch porn i should probably watch porn yeah yeah there's a website there's a website called xnxx.com i don't know why but it literally is free i've used it for like 20 years and it's it's just like any fantasy like i like power dynamics so i want to watch like porno with like a teacher and a student or a secretary and her boss and I just I like power dynamics they turn me on and it's just like get out of your head like it's like stop like just put on the porn like just I don't think like porn addiction is really bad with men but like women are on the other side of the spectrum of being like oh I don't know about my ex-boyfriend we'll stop thinking about your ex-boyfriend and start watching actors yeah. Well, I think women probably say things like, I'm thinking of watching porn. It's like, just watch it. Put your phone on private, go to xnxx.com, buy a vibrator, and then watch how much men become obsolete in your life. But do you not find, now this is actually, this is a bit of a segue, Esther, but I'm just curious, because do you not find, I find, I just, my libido is not back at all since I had a baby. No, I'm, so I'm trying to, I'm literally on, I'm trying to have a, a reignite. I have to like jumpstart a car, basically. That's how my yeah. s- my vagina feels. Like back, just, my battery is dead. My battery was dead. And around like, I want to say like two weeks ago, so my kid is six months and about two weeks ago, I jump, I'm like actively trying to jumpstart it um, with myself at first and now I just started dabbling in having sex with my husband and it's really fun but like okay I have to like communicate with him like have those conversations I'm kind of shy about and being like I need my toy to start it I need my toy possibly to finish this job I I'm just trying to get jiggy with it and Esther's trying to get her groove back so like the conversation is let's have sex but like bear with me I might need a lot of coconut oil lube I might need a lot of my own vibrator I you know I'm just trying to just be like give me a break I'm not I'm not like writing your like I'm just I'm not the same woman as I was before the baby so like be very patient with 
of course, me coming. I mean, physiologically, I suppose mentally and physically, you know, you have changed as a human being. So I guess it's about, uh, as you say, it's, I suppose it's coming, uh, like, I think invariably, like we, because we've had sex once, well, we maybe twice, maybe one and a half times. That's, That's better baby. than I did. Had the, had the baby. But I had, so like, I don't know, does it depend on the type of birth you had as well? So did you have like a natural birth? Or um, um, I wanted a natural birth so, so badly. And I had a C-section, unfortunately for me. Because, well, because I thought I was going to have a C-section, but I ended up because I got induced because I had the gestational diabetes. So like the labor just went, because we're in lockdown at the moment. So I went into the hospital. I knew I was going to be induced. They were saying, you know, there's a big chance you're going to have like a section or whatever because I had the diabetes as well. It's like kind of an extra factor that usually the baby's bigger. So that's why you often have a section with that. But Fred, so uh, he wasn't allowed into the delivery room until I was in active labor. But they induced me and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm in labor. And I just had, you know, you have occasionally you come across a midwife from hell. So the midwife was like, you're not in labor. And I was like, can I just get a bit of gas in there? And she was like, let's save that for the labor. I was like, I'm in labor. And then she was changing to the night shift at 8.30. And she came into me and said, listen, Julie, you know, everyone's pain thresholds are different. But my advice to you be when you go into labor is to get an epidural. And I was like, I'm in fucking labor. And she was heading off and saying to the girl coming on, that girl, it, the patient in delivery room four, she's not a neighbor. She thinks she is, but she's, I was like, I'm in fucking neighbor. So then the girl who came on checked and I was whatever, six centimeters dilated. Fred, we live an hour away from the hospital. So I have to call him to tell him to come in. He drives like, you know, driving Miss Daisy at the best of times. So I think he honestly sat down and made a playlist before he started the car he was like just a few tunes for the road and then so I ended up basically having a natural birth but I got an episiotomy and I was really worried that I think mentally I was just kind of freaked out that the stitches were going to burst or that my vagina had just been changed irrevocably because of this bloody episiotomy so for me currently I think it's still a mental thing when it comes to my vagina you're three months I mean you need to give like nine months a year like this is like truly a thing that takes so much time I I still have a big ugly scar and like I've I've been in physical therapy and I'm doing acupuncture like I'm trying to heal myself and I am nowhere near healed and I'm six months out of a c-section and like sure like I don't mind a penis being inside of me but it really has to be like again the really right time and place and lots of I use coconut oil and almond oil like it needs to it's not it's you'll probably I mean I don't know that the exact number but you're gonna be it's probably I'm assuming gonna be many months months and months in months. And I just couldn't even get out of the mindset of changing diapers and sanitizing bottles. Yeah. It's really hard to get turned on when you're changing diapers and sanitizing bottles and like breastfeeding is impossible to get turned on. Yes. Cause, uh, cause so have you been breastfeeding as well? I was for three months and then I quit because I wanted to oh, kill three myself. Months is, I mean, three months is a long time. 
I yeah. really respect you for that. I'm kind. I'm doing the breastfeeding, but it's a mix of breast and bottle, and it all like from. The I had always, I had always done the mix of yeah. breast and bottle. I mean, uh, you you need. I mean, you need a break. Like there were some days, and he was honestly on my breast for five five and a half hours. Like he just wouldn't. He was just constantly suckling. So you need, I think you need a break. I don't know how the people who do 100% breast, I don't know how they do it. Oh, I will tell you, I think it's little girls. So I have a friend who did breastfeeding and it was this like little girl who came out like five, six pounds and she would do five minutes on one boob, five minutes on the other. And she would just be full and happy. My kid came out nine pounds, seven ounces. And if I didn't give him like 45 minutes of each boob, he would shriek that he was hungry. And I'm like, well, fuck this. Every, <laughs> I nothing I do is enough. It is. I think there, the phrase blood from a stone springs to mind. Like I think there was one day and Fred was away gigging. And so I was on my own in the house. We live in the middle of nowhere. And basically Ted, who's like my baby, not just a random neighbor. So Ted, Ted was freaking out because my, he was literally slapping my breasts because he was still hungry. But I, I was I was freaking out because I didn't have any milk in the house. But thankfully remembered I had one emergency stash in the car. But this was like three in the morning and he had been slapping my breast since 7 p.m. But the child was just hungry. I, he obviously just did not have enough for my breast. But when I finally got him to sleep, it was so funny because then the next feed, I was so tired that he was on my breast and I fell asleep and I woke up and Ted was still suckling. I just, there was something really sinister about it. Cause I was like, if I died, would Ted keep on feeding? I literally was like, my titty is not a pacifier. I I mean, I am a human soother. I am a human pacifier. No, no, you need a pacifier. That's like, that's crazy. And plus I was not just using bottles. I was pumping and breastfeeding and I was using formula from the beginning. I mean, I tried to pump and it was just didn't happen for me at all. Even when I threw on the song, you've got to pump it up. drying up. I just feel like I have so many questions. Katie's getting her tubes tied. Well, first he just sounds like you're like a vessel or something like just i don't know it sounds so traumatic no wonder wonder you don't want to have sex you start when they're in your belly and just like feeding off of you like feeding off of you and sucking all your nutrients out of your you know from the umbilical cord and then when they're born they're feeding off your boobs so you're like a cafeteria for them does it hurt and it, it for me it was excruciatingly painful at first and then it got a little less painful but it was still like I like fluctuated between level five to ten pain in the and boob it was feeding the breastfeeding boob feeding yeah breastfeeding was that. miserable but my son was 10 or 10 pounds and hungry all the time and I was like here's the most sensitive part of my body okay now you're gonna suck it and chew it my husband put his pinky in my newborn he started sucking the pinky to like soothe him because babies have a sucking like that's like they're mad and anxious you put a pacifier and they suck so he put a pinky in it after five minutes he's like my pinky is raw oh my god and I goes how do you think my nipples feel I know and my teeth are so long now your tit your titties your nipples my, like the little teeth on the my tit my nipples started looking like beef jerky I could plait them now honestly Stop. It's just, oh, they're just, dangling, they're just dangling. 
And then your partner is like, we give the sex a go. And you're like, couldn't, can't imagine anything I'd love more. After three months, I said, I can't breastfeed anymore or I'm going to kill myself. Mm. And best day of my fucking life. We switched completely to formula. The kid was happy. I was happy. My husband was happy. And from then on, my life got 10 times better. Yeah. And I feel there's a bit of a conspiracy at the moment because women actually Chrissy Teigen put this up today as a tweet. And I was like, amazing, because I've been saying it now since I started this whole breastfeeding journey thing. There's such pressure on women with this whole breast is best discourse. Like they love to panty that about Fed is best. Fed is best. Fed is best. And nobody talks about it. like it shows this just inherent misogyny. Mm-hmm. It, like in in I mean, obviously in all parts of society. It's the pendulum because our parents were like doing formula and like quit breastfeeding. That mm-hmm. like the boomers were told you need to give them formula. And then our generation is you need to give them breasts. And it's it's somewhere in the middle. And if also if you're a 16-year-old girl who lives on a farm who gets pregnant with like big, giant, juicy, milky titties, good for you. But realistically, women in their 30s are the ones having babies. And yeah. our titties just aren't the same as like a 17-year-old mm-hmm. pregnant woman. I agree. Yeah. And it's kind of – it's. There is something about it. It's like you almost feel guilty. Like I went to a couple of these breastfeeding classes and stuff when the when the restrictions were lifted here for a few weeks when I was still pregnant. But I mean, nobody was really talking about your mental health as a woman and how this like, I mean, obviously you're kind of trapped in a way because you have to be physically near your baby at all times. You're completely trapped. You're tethered. Virtually anyway, because you have to feed them. And nobody's talking about, like, breast is best for the baby, but nobody's talking about how it makes you feel. Not even. Not if you can't produce enough for your kid. So much pressure on women. I'm not breastfeeding if I have a kid. Because if I have a kid, I'm already like, well, I've already made um, a huge sacrifice. <laughs> so I'm not, I will I, say, my pump, my, I had a nice pump. Like, I tried one pump and it hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. And another pump that was more gentle. And my gentle pump, I there was a point where I was like, so I'm never going to breastfeed. He's not going to touch my nipples because I want to kill myself. It hurts so bad. But I will pump milk. So mm-hmm. I started to pump, pump, pump and I would give him milk and then if I didn't make enough we gave him formula so then everyone was a little bit happier but like honestly it's just all this self-inflicted guilt self-inflicted pain you're in charge you don't have to go and you know you don't have to be on the front page of the newspaper that says I only breastfed for x amount like who gives a shit nobody cares No one cares about you or your baby. Yeah. And I mean, also with the breast is best thing, you know, it is, it's like, I don't want to say it it is bullshit, but I do question, you know, as you say, like as an 80s baby, like my mother was completely freaked out when she heard I was going to breastfeed. Like she was looking at me like I was some kind of pervert. You know, it kind of had, like, I mean, it's like anything. There's trends, there's fashion. It's trends. Yes. And I just, I want to ask you both because like, so you're both, you've both had kids, you're both in serious relationships. For me, I, I fear about having a child. I, lots of reasons I fear I won't like it. I fear it won't like me. I fear the lack of freedom, being stuck to something, kind of giving up my independence. Yeah. Or yeah, I don't know. That's very Be scary. Afraid. <laughs> I know. Very, I'm like, oh, this isn't making me feel any better. <laughs> I'm like, is that a question, Katie? Katie's more like Katie's statement of fear. Respond. 
I have, I will say like, I loved being all on my own and I wish that I was a little bit happier when I was all on my own, but I wasn't. I was having anxiety and trying to read in between the lines of emojis. But now um, I do have a great husband who puts in like 40 to 50% of the work. So I'm lucky. And I put in 50%. And so anyways, I've never felt more important. I've never felt more like, like wise. I've never felt more, um, you know, get out of my way. I'm a mom. Like I belong <laughs> in this place because I'm a mom. I got myself a really nicer car because I'm a mom and I need new jeans because I'm a mom and I need brand new sneakers because I'm a mom and I just like feel important and feel special and I feel like I've earned these like stripes because I fucking gave birth to a kid and I'm a mom and I felt like I'm not a queen or duchess, but I'm definitely, I'm a mom and it's like, it's an elevated status and I feel elevated and I'm proud of myself. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a bit more confident in like how amazing I am. And I never would, I'm I'm amazing. I'm amazing. I'm a mom. I'm an amazing mom. So the opposite to that of one reason why I would like to have a kid is to feel like needed and loved or love something. Like, is it true that you're just like, oh my God, I, I really love this thing more than I could ever. Like, I love it. I love it when I get like a dog. Or when a dog I love runs. it oh, so yeah. much that I can't, like my phone used to be pictures of myself, like millions of pictures of myself, trillions of pictures of myself. And now, I mean, I cannot take a picture of myself. My phone can only take a picture of my kid. Like I try to take a picture of myself and I'm like, oh my God, gross. And I just keep taking photos of my kid. Like I love him so much. I think he's so handsome. Um, I think he's so brilliant and smart. I mean, every mom thinks their baby is the cutest thing in the world, but mine is truly the cutest kid I've ever met. He laughs at everything I say. I just want to, I, I did, I was singing the ABCs like for five whole minutes. Like if you told me I was going to sing, I had to sing an ABC song for five minutes. I would have literally been like, I would no, absolutely not. But like the silliest parts of me come out and, and it's, and it's magical and amazing, but it's like, don't rush into this because I also get into fights with my husband who gets to literally go to the bathroom literally going to the bathroom and making a coffee is like, I woke up early, blah, 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 blah. Okay. We'll watch him. Well, I'm making the smoothie. Okay. Can I have a second? Cause I really have to pee. So now I'm begging someone to go pee and that is hell. It's pretty, I mean, it is, it is definitely full on, but I totally agree with Esther. Like for me, it has been a massive confidence boost. And I think because I've never, I mean, you know, I've never, I mean, that's why when people used to offer me hard drugs, I would say no, because I'd be like, surely if I have confidence, then who am I? Like, that's just not my personality type at all. But after I had Ted, I did kind of feel like I was superwoman in a way. Like there's this insane adrenaline rush. I mean, it's just mental. You're riding this high. Like for me personally, it took a while to sink in that he was mine. Like, I'd love to say that. I mean, obviously, those are saying I fell in love with him the day, like when I looked at him 
I could not believe that I had produced him. And I know this sounds so ridiculous, but I was really worried looking at the ultra scan, scan the sound pictures. I was like, I really want him to be super cute. What if he's not super cute? Will I still be able to love him? But of course, I mean, I, similar to Esther, like, sorry to tell you, but my baby is the cutest baby in the whole wide world. You no, do become that baby. No, You're like, I actually feel guilty for other moms because you just think, yeah, my baby's the cutest. Like, even when I was in the maternity ward, it was so funny because you're thinking, oh, I feel really bad for the other moms because their babies are crying so much because you don't hear your baby crying <laughs> to the same extent. But for me, it took a while. Like, although it was a huge confidence boost, I didn't like necessarily take the role straight away. Like, I was, I suppose... I wasn't sure, of course, what I was doing. I was feeling massive anxiety that I was doing the wrong thing and that I just wanted everything to be perfect for him. But I think once you accept that parenting is really haphazard and it's not going to be per you know, perfect and you kind of try not to put that pressure on yourself, it does get easier. But definitely for me, I kind of vacillated between feeling like I was a superwoman and then feeling like I was the worst mother in the world because I didn't know what I was doing. And I still like on a day to day basis within the space of an hour, I vacillate between those two things all the time. But I mean, I don't know how like people who do this on their own every single day of my life. I'm thinking about people who do this on their own. Mm -hmm, and I yes. have such respect because similar now to Esther um, and your husband, like myself and Fred are a tag team and we still find it so hard like it's a tag team situation and still it's so intense I have no idea how you would do it without a tag team partner you need a mom like if, if I was like all alone I would um need my mom oh and if not my mom my sister or my grandma or a nanny yes. so like you have to find people a lot of times people live with their moms and the the, the grandmother is the other caretaker yeah. and right yeah. now I'm in Florida like my mom is helping out like it's so funny I, I love my mom but I don't I never need my mommy until I had a baby and I'm like I need my mommy I need yes. my mommy and that means like you're never your job never ends so it's like I do think once you become a mom you, it's a great promotion from just random lady to mother and um it's it's a lifelong job so it's like it's definitely I mean and it's 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 changed my identity I mean it's obviously going to change anyone's identity but it's kind of changed how I see myself as well because you know I did even have moments since I've had Ted where like in terms of comedy you know, you have these panics because you don't get offered jobs and you feel like you're kind of maybe losing visibility because you're pregnant and then you have the baby and you think, oh, people are going to think now I'm not going to be available for work. And you just have to remind yourself, he is like, he. it's such a cliche, but he is my masterpiece. Like he is the best thing. Like I look at him every day and I think, oh my God, what if I you know, what if, what if my life had gone a different way and I hadn't become a mother? I just don't know what I would be doing now because now it is everything. You know, all the work stuff is just whatever. Like you really, yeah. you know, have fleeting moments of, oh my God, what if, you know, people never see me gig again and people never, do, like, it doesn't matter because you look at that little man and when he's laughing at you, it's just so filling. Like I just feel full. I just feel full when I see him you I started to like be like what 
what, why do I need validation from like drunk people on a Saturday night? Like I love being a standup, but why is it so important to me to make these frat guys laugh or bar full of drunk fuckers laugh? Like why, what, is that my purpose? Is that? Well, it does, it does, yeah. It definitely makes you reevaluate things. Like certainly now, and again, it goes out saying, I'd be slow to say yes to every gig because it's going to be taking me away from him. Now your self-worth is elevated. It's like, yeah. can I talk to you for two hours? Mm, no, you can't. Yeah, because I could be spending it with my baby who is like the most, yeah. by the way, don't know if you know, most handsome baby in the world. Yeah. I have really good friends. And let's say I had a friend that was not that great. You're not my fucking friend. Like I can only do friends that are awesome. Yeah. Friends that suck. Don't you have, I have no space for you in my life if you're annoying. Well, you have a family. And I think that for me, it's always been like, you know, dreams. Like I, you know, emigrated over here to follow a dream and all that malarkey. But the pandemic where all that can be taken away made me think because I've never wanted to have kids really I've never thought about it the pandemic I was like actually maybe I do want to have a kid and a serious relationship when the situation yeah you want the situation to be right yeah I mean now like now for me like my little family is just everything like I do still I mean I I would be lying if I if I if I said I didn't have fleeting moments of, oh, why didn't I get that like TV gig? Or why didn't I, you know, they're doing a panel show and all your friends are asked to be on the panel show and you're not asked. But like, it's a nanosecond of feeling like that. Whereas before Ted came along, like I'm a very neurotic person. I would be sitting at home all day, like questioning why, you know, that didn't happen or I didn't get that job offer. I wasn't chosen for something. And putting huge pressure on myself to produce content. And now I just, A, don't have the time for that. But also, it's such a cliche to say it puts it all in perspective, but it really does. And I like was like that, Katie, back in the day. I kind of always, I think it's, I always loved kids. And like, I know you love kids, but I never saw myself in that family situation because again, I probably didn't think that I was deserving of that. That was my take on it. I was like, oh, I'm not, you know, kind of worthy of that kind of family scenario. And I like all these issues, like growing up in terms of like my own family dynamics and things. And it was so annoying because so many really annoying people would have said to me in my 20s, yeah, but you're going to change your mind on that. You're going to want kids. And that did actually happen. That came to pass. So those annoying people were correct, which is particularly annoying. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, a lot of it as well is kind of meeting the right person and you look Mm. at them and you're like, I'd really like to have a hybrid with you. Yeah. And I think because I think my thing is I'd be so afraid of having to do hundred percent of the work, but I think what both of you have is that you have good partners who want to be involved and want to, because no matter what, it always comes down to the woman. If, if the guy doesn't want to put an effort, like the mother is always what the kid wants to be with and, and, it, and it takes a village it's not just one yes. mom like yeah. eventually we're all we're gonna need help 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 because we had yeah. a listener right in a few weeks ago so I, I think that was good that you brought it up Julie but she wants to have a baby alone and she wanted somebody to talk about whether that's possible it can be done it's not like the most impossible thing in the world yeah I, I can think of two 
um, to women who have had babies around the same time as Ted and they're a couple of years older than me. So I'm like nearly 37. So I always said, I kind of reached a point where I was like, I want, I knew kind of when I was about maybe say mid thirties, I was like, I definitely want to have a baby. And I, I just wasn't in a position. I wasn't in a relationship. I wasn't meeting the right people. And I said to myself, I kind of had decided that I was going to do it on my own. And I, you know, taken step one, like go to see the gynecologist, which in Ireland is a big deal. I know in America, you're really good for going to the gynecologist, but here it's like, you, you only go uh, kind of, you know, when it's the last chance saloon situation. So I'd gone to the gynecologist and then I met Fred the following week. So I ended up obviously, you know, having the baby with Fred. And I do always laugh because I think after the first date, I was saying to my friend, um, Emma, who I do podcasts with, I was like, she was asking how we were getting on. It's like, good, you know, we're trying to get pregnant. And she was like, does Fred know about this? And I was like, oh, does he have to? I mean, really. But I was of that mindset straight away with him. But <laughs> I definitely was at the stage, though. I had said to close friends, I was like, I think I'm going to do it on my own. And it can be done, as Esther said. I know two people who are doing it at the moment. I definitely do think it takes a village, though. I think you need to have someone. But that can be... A like a friend or you know it could be your mother it could be your sister it could be a cousin but obviously as Esther says it does take a village it you know you can't do it completely alone but you're not going to yeah. be doing it completely just set alone. up your support system yeah no definitely I also really good mom advice it's so funny is like your job I think for the first year is just to survive like keep your baby alive is he alive great you're doing a great job <laughs> And it's, it's really easy to beat yours. I mean, I find, I don't know about you, Esther, but I do beat myself. I kind of start to beat myself up a million times a day. And I just keep trying to kind of just catch that thought. Because even this is so ridiculous, but I was watching The Undoing. Have you watched it with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant? Um, no, but everyone's talking about it. I, I was it. underwhelmed. Underwhelmed to be, be how I describe it. But everyone else likes it. So clearly I'm in the minority of one. But there's just this scene where... I see the guy taking a bottle out of a bottle warmer. And I was like, Fred, we could buy a bottle warmer because all this time I've been putting the bottle in the jug. And I just became obsessed with the fact that Ted does not own a bottle opener. And I just, I just felt so distressed. I was like, I'm a terrible parent. Well, you just have to catch that thought each time. My kid drinks cold milk every second of every day ice cold milk he drinks ice cold formula he doesn't care if he cared then i would heat it up but it's like some babies if he, if a baby's like refusing to drink milk unless it's warm awesome good luck to you parent <laughs> My baby does not care it's like every person is so different every baby is so different some people you know, they feel freezing cold and they put on that extra layer, extra jacket. Some people run warm or hot or cold or want their coffee iced or warm. My son doesn't give a shit yeah. whether I give him cold Thank formula, God. warm formula. He could care less, but he also has many other needs. So it's like every baby is so different. If one mom is using a bottle warmer, great. If one yeah. mom is breastfeeding, great. My son's thriving off of ice cold formula. Now he is in Florida, though. To be fair, yeah, it, it, it comes warm anyway. 
Well, I we mean, were in a say- Brook- we were in Brooklyn for a while. We only moved to Florida because we wanted we were working from home, like all this virtual work. So we were like, well, what if we just like live near my mom and then we can get some writing done? So me and my husband are writing partner, which makes it impossible because one person always needs to be watching the baby. And right now we're extremely paranoid about COVID. So we're not hiring a nanny. And plus I will just say nannies make me incredibly nervous because you have no fucking clue what they're doing to your kid when you're not there. They could be amazing nannies. They could be sexually abusing them. We don't know unless you put cameras everywhere, which is now a full-time job. Yeah, I think Louise Woodward really like put me off the nannies. Do you remember Louise Woodward mm. from the nineties? Was she molesting kids? No, she was this English nanny. Um oh. who it was this case in Massachusetts in the mid-90s. And basically anyway, she was accused of like essentially shaking the baby, causing injury to the baby and causing the baby's death. Um, but it was like a huge case at the time, probably more so in Ireland and the UK, because obviously there was like Sky News were essentially decamped to where she lived. And, you know, it was kind of just like live coverage of the case all the time. But she was found guilty. But then I think that that um, result then or what's the word I'm looking for? Verdict was overturned. But it just always kind of put me off. The nanny you might is, you might get an amazing nanny. Of course, yeah, and I know for have friends who are amazing nannies, of course. But I like, but it, mostly it's it's someone who's getting paid, and, and yeah. everyone has a feeling about their job, which is get me out of here. Well, I want to like, go home. Yeah, let's face it. We've all done these jobs, like we've all like waitressed or worked in shops or whatever it is, and I work better when the boss is there. And when the boss is gone, I'm on the phone. I'm, you know, helping myself to burger. Like, I so no, true. we all work better when the boss is there. That's yeah. just human nature. I know that, like, at first I was like, I'm going to have a natural birth. And I ended up having a C-section. And then I was like, my, my son will never taste formula. It will be all breast milk. And now we're all formula and no breast milk. I say I'm never going to have a nanny because you just never know. And I'm sure. You're going to catch me in like a year with like a nanny that I'm like, she's my life. I, I love her. Meet Lucy. Yeah. But right now, um, I'm, I have actually, I've always wanted an immigrant nanny and I have one and that is my mother. <laughs> and my mom is now the immigrant nanny. So I am able to do this podcast because I had to coordinate with my mother who came by. And by the way, I moved to Florida because she promised she would babysit every day. It's her first grandchild, her only grandchild. Mm-hmm. So it's like, everything is like coordinating and scheduling and this and this, but whatever, I guess, you know, it's, it's worth it. But I'm like, I never thought I wanted one. I never really, so I have a goals, like my whole life I've been motivated by my goal. And my goal is like having a comedy central half hour and having album and having fan base and touring the world. Those are still my goals. I have until the end of my life to achieve those goals. Yeah. That's actually great. Cause I wanted to I have ask till I'm dead. So I could yeah. die. Let's say I'm going to die at like 90. So I have like a long time to achieve the goals that I have. And my kid was not in the goal until like I got married. And then all of a sudden we like instantly got pregnant. And now I'm still working towards my goal. I just have a, a kid, but I'm like, 
I don't feel like my goal was family. I but agree. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still the same person. It's just like more, I feel like I've multiplied. I've multiplied my, he is part of me. He's just a, ref, he's because, I mean, it's so narcissistic, but like he's 50% me. He came out of my belly. Like I still feel like he's just another limb. Mm-hmm. Like I have a f- arm and a baby. He's just part of me. I like what you were saying about how, because there's so much pressure, I think, on like comedians, entertainers, performers, DJs, all of us to be like actors that we got to get it as soon as possible. So I like that you say, you know, we have till 90. But that's the question I wanted to ask both of you. Have you felt like you're, you've been able to maintain your work-life balance as well as having a kid? Like, No, definitely not. I mean, I, I thought that I would have all this time. You know, I was like, he's going to nap so much during the day and I'm going to get a podcast done and... No, I mean, all of that's gone out of the window. I mean, for me as well, with the lockdown situation, so we don't have family near that can take Ted. And I do have a couple of aunties, but, you know, they're kind of, they're elderly. And I think with COVID, everyone's so nervous that in a normal situation, I think we could work it better, that we could still be getting more work stuff done. But now, similar to what you were saying, Esther, if one of us wants to do something, we do have to coordinate it because the other person has to take the baby. So you have to negotiate who gets yeah. to literally go pee. You really do. So it's like, oh, you're having a shower. Okay, fine. Well, then I'm taking the baby. And then in the next half an hour, can I do a podcast How or can dare I? dare you shower? How dare you shower? You selfish bitch. Oh, I get so resentful. I did say to Fred the other day, I was like, can I just say your timing for that shower was horrendous. So I've become really fond of hyperbole since I've had the baby. But you're just so tired. Or I was podcasting and I heard my son shrieking and I was like, hold on, what's going on? And my husband's like, he just took the biggest poop and now we have to shower him and then blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, I'm podcasting, like, keep it down. He's like, what am I supposed to do? The baby's screaming. Like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, great. This is the, what I wanted. But uh, here's what I will say. Who gives a shit? Like we're in fucking quarantine survive. Don't kill yourself. Don't kill your baby. You're doing great. Your career can like, you can put a pause button. You can put a, I'm going to do one thing a day. I'm going to do one hour a day. I'm going to work after he naps. Like also you're three months in, like who gives a shit? No one's keeping track of the amount of work you're doing on your career. Like no one cares. I think even Katie, for people who don't have, haven't had kids in this, I I think, you know, which is obviously the majority of people, I think probably a lot of people are feeling anxiety when it comes to comedy and the arts in general. So having a baby just might compound that a little in that, you know, I was having a chat to somebody who works in TV over here and I was surprised because she's like a well-known media personality. And she was saying, um, you know, like that she's just found it super hard kind of reconciling herself with this lack of visibility that's happening everyone at the moment because there just aren't the same opportunities for people. And then she was talking about being pregnant and how she was just finding it difficult. So I think a lot of people have that anxiety. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, as long as you're, you know, as you say, Esther, you're alive, your child's alive, you know, Let's just get through the pandemic without dying. But I want to loop back to the vagina because I know this is it's a silly thing to worry about. But I watched Ali Wong's special and she talked about your vagina falling apart. And I've never forgotten that. And that was years ago. 
So when you said you had that thing done, what was that called? Episiotomy is where they snip from the vagina to the ass. Now, a lot of, my mom had three episiotomies and she said she's feeling great. She said that she would prefer an episiotomy to tearing. A lot of women tear. That's what it's called. So they don't snip. You just push and it tears. My mom says an episiotomy is great because they do a clean cut and then they do a clean stitch, which is a lot better than like tearing. I had a C-section, so I have a big, ugly scar right around my bush, my pube area. So like, is my pube going? My vagina is better than ever, but my, in my bikini line, right under where my underwear goes, there's a scar that I have to like massage and like pool and like stimulate because I'm I had major surgery mm-hmm. and it's, I it's have to surgery. I had major surgery and I'm healing Jeez, from a surgery just like if someone had heart surgery or brain surgery. I'm healing from a surgery. I I think people underestimate how big it is. Like it is massive. My pussy is amazing. Perfect. Unscathed. But you so, still obviously so. and I've heard that it takes a really long time for that to heal. But I mean like that's one thing that's really important for men to hear is that the sex life is going to be, they're going to have to just hold out for a little while afterwards. Oh, you stop caring about men's feelings. Oh, it's done. Like I have one man in my life now. I, do you know what? I have two and one has a really cute little tushy and he is sweet like an angel and laughs at all my jokes. And then I have my husband <laughs> <laughs> but does the vagina go back to normal? Does it after you have it give give birth, Julie? Oh, well, vaginas are miraculous. Bodies are, are miraculous. You sprain your ankle and okay. it heals. You Thank break you. your leg and it heals. You fuck up your vagina and it heals. Okay, because Ali Wong terrified me, and I was like, "Don't be saying that to me." Like, not to me personally, but on her special. <laughs> But you know what? Because I, I did, and I think, I don't know about you, Esther, but for me, the birth, I find the birth pretty traumatic because it's not, like, I think for most women, it's never the way you want it to be. There, you know, something always kind of It's like, it's around. a rule. You have to have a traumatic birth, no it's matter what. It's about, like yeah. super important I, that there's trauma. Unless there's trauma, I don't want to hear about it. So, like, mine was, it just didn't, it didn't go as I kind of wanted to, but I think for most women, that's the case. But when My friend had like, a traumatic pregnant, pregnancy, had all kinds of issues, had an early birth because she had preeclampsia. The birth was easy peasy for some reason. The baby was underweight, shot out like a little noodle, and then they were in the NICU for like three and a half weeks. So do you want a bad birth or do you want to be in the hospital all day with your kid with tubes yeah, in it? I know. I'll take a crazy birth over having to sit next to a kid who looks like a worm with tubes going in it. Yeah. And I do, I, but I think for me now, when I was doing say previous to the birth, I did like, obviously like a lot of people did the hypnobirthing course and was all about my sure. birth plan and just shredded that the second I went into the hospital. But like during the, that course, it was really heartening when she was talking about how, I mean, it's such an obvious thing, but your vagina is built for this. Mm-hmm. Like if you can just get your head around the fact that no, like this makes a lot of sense. Like this, this 
is ultimately like what we were built to do because the guy who kind of brought hypnobirthing I suppose into like I suppose more kind of open discourse he was this English doctor and he apparently was sent to these tenements in London so obviously like really poor areas in London he went from the maternity hospital in London to these places and he was blown away by the women because they were so self-sufficient in that they were like listen you sit in the corner I've got this like I know what I'm doing and he was trying to work out like what was the difference between the women that he was seeing the very wealthy women in the maternity hospital and these women in the tenements who were really just doing it for themselves like he was just an observer and he coughed that it was fear that the women in these in these situations that were like look obviously left their own devices uh, they had no fear because they knew their bodies were built to do this so it was just about breathing and going with it because it was queen victoria who introduced the whole like okay during birth i need gas i need air i need anesthetic i need to be you know i need something to deal with the pain she was the one and she was quite fond of having the babies she had a lot of them but she was supposedly the first person who availed of that and then it kind of changed the conversation. Suddenly childbirth went from being something that was supernatural and probably the most natural thing in the world to being something traumatic and you need anesthetic, you need something to do with the pain. So he was the one who was like, we need to kind of really put the hypnobirthing out there and make more people, women familiar with it because if we could just let them, if we could just encourage them to let go of the fear they'll be fine. But if- or you can do all those things and get all Zen and all the hypnobirthing that I did. I didn't do it. I was had mantras and this and that. And I was ready to push. They took me to the operating room, numbed me, took a baby out, stitched me up. And to be honest, like not a bad option, not about you. Your recovery sucks because you're like hunched over and you had surgery. But in general, I think Victoria Beckham had three scheduled C-sections and not a bad option. Yeah. Well, I was going to say I was all about the no fear and the breathing and all that kind of crack. But sure, the second I was in there, I was like, can, when can I get the epidural? I mean, you know, and there is that thing of, I was like, oh, thinking about all the girls in the hypnobirthing class and we're all in it together. But when you're in that moment, you're like, fuck that shit. I just want the drugs. Come on. And I, I have really no like regrets. drugs. I do oh. great with drugs. Well, honestly, the epidural was, I just, I did think to myself, is this what heroin is like? Like, honestly, it was so good. Epidural I, is, is, is like, it is heroin and all those things. That's, it's exactly that. I mean, P.S. don't do heroin kids, obviously, but I would say do. Well, I do. I know someone who did heroin and they said it was phenomenal. <laughs> Oh, but you see, this is why you can't do it. Do it in the hospital for $80,000. They'll give you an epidural. Um, I want to say like, I feel like a little bit lucky in this pandemic to have a baby because I do feel like there's all this crazy stuff happening in the world, but like I have one object to focus on. Yeah. And it simplifies um, things. It does. It really does. Like, what do I do today? Well, um, feed your kid, <laughs> um, change a diaper, uh, give it a bath and read a fucking book. And now I feel like I accomplished something. So I feel good about myself. And, um, I think that 
there's like animals in the wild, you know, like a bear has a baby bear and will like kill anything in its way to protect the baby bear. And the animal runs around and just tries to get the baby bear in a safe place, tries to get salmon and food and the elephants do the same thing and the giraffes do the same thing. And that is literally their existence is feed and protect your baby. And I think like in our, because we're, an, we're animals who have have now podcasts and <laughs> careers, we're still animals. And we've bogged ourselves down with the internet and everyone else and selfies and, and putting out albums and shows and all these things that are fun. But getting back to like a primal, got to feed my kid, got to protect my kid is just feels like it feels like I'm an animal again. It feels like I just belong in the, in the fucking discovery channel and nothing else actually matters at all. So like if I don't achieve my standup goals, whatever, like I protected and I fed my kid and I would like, I guess I would pick that a thousand times over a comedy Aww. special. However, I'm yes. going to do both. You are going to, you're going to do an Annie Wong on it and do both for sure. I did and film it, a special like six weeks after my pregnant, my birth. And it was like what? really weird. After and a C-section. After a C-section because, well, we were scheduled to do the special when I was pregnant and I was really excited, but I was also worried that I was going to get compared to Ali Wong. Ali Wong is amazing, but I don't want to fucking be compared to all these like you know, oh, so-and-so had a pregnancy special. You're going to have a pregnancy special. Like we pin women against each other enough. Oh, you're a female comedian. You know, there's another female comedian named Esther. Thank you. I didn't know that. Awesome. What do you want me to do about it? Fuck off. So like things like, I feel like women are already pinned against each other. And then you have pregnant women pinned against each other. I didn't want to be in that, but I was excited to do a pregnancy special. I had all these jokes. I had my big belly. The belly is so silly and funny. It's like a prop. Okay. We get to it and they're like, oh, there's a pandemic. You, We can't do it. I'm like, okay, great. I, I was proud of myself. I didn't cry about it. I didn't whine and say, why me? I was like, great. No special, whatever. I have the baby and then they're like, we're going to do it. We're, it's going to be um, drive-through. And I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding? I'm going to be telling jokes to cars. And yes, I was. And it was six weeks. I had to take a plane in the middle of the pandemic and I did it and I felt so happy about it. And I, I like really, um, put my all and I had all this inspiration from the hospital. So all these jokes, it wasn't about being pregnant. It was about giving birth. And I wrote brand new jokes. I did a whole joke about like drinking my own breast milk, all these bits that would never have existed if I was pregnant and they only existed six weeks postpartum. And I'm like, Oh, I had a, a six weeks postpartum drive-in special. How unique. That's amazing. And I'm like really proud of myself. But now I'm like, I can't, I can't stop writing jokes just because I did that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean like, cause I'm kind of like, you know, you get a, oh, you accomplished something. You did a tape. Now you're like, oh, I don't, I don't need to write. And I'm like, oh no, no, I need, I need to, you have to continue writing jokes. So it's so funny. I think being a mom, I'm like, I have this much time. I need to develop an idea for a show. I need to write jokes as opposed to, I don't know, sitting around just having aimless anxiety. It's almost like I have so much on my plate and now I need to 
carve out yes. time to do what I love. But I think I think you actually get more yes. out of that free time now, don't you? So like I look at like say the hour I have in a day and I will get more done. Like I look back on when I was pregnant, what was I doing with all my time? Like whereas now if I have an hour, I definitely find creatively I mean, I really do feel like the last couple of months, creatively speaking, I probably have been much more creative than I have been for a long time. So I don't know, is that because uh, my identity has kind of shifted a little bit and it's a new perspective on things, but the creative juices have been flowing. There's not a lot of juices for my body have been flowing, but I can tell you if there's one juice, it's the creative one. What's about your Instagrams? Mine is Judy J Comedy. Esther Stein, Esther Dot Steinberg. Right now, I have my podcast, Stand Up Mom, and I'm having a lot of fun talking about everything we just talked about. Great, and Julie has a great podcast as well called Crime Land, so people should listen to that. Thank you guys so much. Please follow them if you want to hear a longer version of that episode. It's up on the Patreon, uh, the Patreon Shift Podcast. Also, there's a video up there. There's extra episodes. There's a Zoom show up there. There's loads of stuff. Um, And yeah, please share uh, on your Instagram or to your friends, whatever you can do. Rate, uh, leave a comment that you like it, not a negative one. (laughs) And just, yeah, have a lovely week. And I'll talk to you next week. I'm very excited about next week's guest. So yeah, and also message if you have any advice or questions for the guests. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.